20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. a post-Christmas edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz and I'll be your host today and I'm joined by my normal co-host Jacob Wessendorf. Jacob, did you have a good Christmas? I sure did. It's good to be here. I never in a million years thought I would be recording a podcast on Christmas Day, but I am thankful for that. Uh, I apologize that you guys have to listen to us the day after Christmas. I hope you're not too hungover or stuffed by ham or Whatever it is that you guys eat on Christmas Day, we don't really do stuff like that. So I guess I don't know what the traditionalists uh, eat on Christmas Day. But, yeah, it was a good Christmas. I can't complain at all. That's awesome. Did you get any, get any nice Packer gear for Christmas? Uh, nothing specifically, I suppose, on the Packers end of things. Uh, the Color Rush gear, um, I got the sweatshirt that says, like, Go Pack Go across the chest. That was pretty nice. Um, so I guess that is something specific. But, I mean... Nothing overly extravagant or wonderful quite like what you're about to tell us you got. Yes. So, uh, well, I mean, Jacob, you and I have talked about this all season long, about how Aaron Jones is seemingly the best back on the team, and it took a little longer than we would have liked for uh, for us to, to have him get the starting job. But my whole thing has been every time he would make a good play, I would say it's like he's the best back on the team. And my fiance. <laughs> Uh, well, she got tired of hearing it, so I got an Aaron Jones jersey for Christmas as a half-gag, half-real gift. So I am now able to sport my man Aaron Jones moving forward. So hopefully he doesn't get cut anytime soon, uh, you know, unlike what happened with your Christmas present from last year, Jacob. Yeah, my the first jersey my wife now, she was my fiance at the time, but the first jersey my wife ever bought me was a Haha Clinton Dix jersey. And he got traded, what, eight months, nine months later. So that didn't go as well as uh, as we hope this one goes. Yeah, let's let's hope this one goes a little better. But all right, Jacob. Well, I want to start with something here. So been doing just a little bit of looking. Uh, my future father-in-law uh, actually brought this to my attention uh, right before we started recording this uh, of a website that is. That it's Aaron Rodgers would like Joe Philbin to remain the Packers head coach. Now, the article is, what I call it, misleading, uh, but they kind of took Aaron Rodgers' quotes from Sunday. Uh, I'll read you the headline here, and, uh, well, maybe I won't. I don't see it. But basically, they took Aaron Rodgers' quotes from Sunday. Uh, after the game when he said, we want to play for Joe and give him the best opportunity possible. And while they said, well, that's not quite a higher this man endorsement from Rodgers, it's basically the same message. Jacob, I know you're not, you know, I think you and I are on the same page. We, we feel Joe Philbin's a great guy, but we don't want him as the next head coach for the Packers. What do you make of this? Is this just kind of for clicks and do you really think that Aaron Rodgers truly wants Joe Philbin as the next head coach, or is this more of a way of just kind of showing support, getting through the season, and then when the offseason comes along and 
more than likely he'll be replaced by a different candidate. Is this just kind of his way of trying to save face a little bit with everything that's gone on this year? Uh, I, I think that I think that that plays into it. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure Rodgers has an affinity for Joe Philbin because, I mean, Joe Philbin's been here for a lot of Rodgers' career. Um, they were together for the best offensive team the Packers have had in my lifetime, the 2011 uh, Green Bay Packers, which set records and the best season Aaron Rodgers ever had was that year. So I'm sure he has an affinity to Joe for some degree there, but I can't actually picture him being completely serious and hoping that if he is, it's his heart talking over his head, which players do that all the time. Um, who was it? Oh, Rogers once said he thought Matt Flynn was, you know, a top 15 quarterback in football. If he actually thought that, um, cool. That's his guy. That's his friend. Um, but that's why Aaron Rodgers is paid to play quarterback, not make decisions on an organizational level. I, I can't, I can't picture him actually thinking that way if he was thinking objectively. But at the same time, I understand why maybe he's not thinking objectively. The relationship is there. Um, and it, it, it is hard at times. I mean, we as fans know this as much as anybody. It is hard at times to separate the emotional from the logical. And I will be that way all off season when we're talking about should Clay Matthews be back or not. Uh, because I've said it all year. You know, that's one of my favorite players of all time. For me to say, yes, it's the right thing to let him go, that's hard. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers to say, you know, it's the right thing for Joe Philbin to be the head coach, I understand why he says that. I just don't think that that's the smartest thing uh, in the book. And to me, there's nothing, there's nothing Joe Philbin can do, with all due respect to him, that can make me say, that's the right man for the job. And hire him now. Uh, we kind of talked about this pre-show, and basically what we said was the only way we can picture that happening is if all of their top candidates, say they have like four or five guys turn them down, and they basically go, "Hey, Joe, you know, what do you what do you think about giving this one more run?" And in that case, I think they could hire him. I don't picture that as a realistic scenario because I I think the Packers' job and the Browns' job are the two best jobs available. So the Packers should almost have pick of a lot of their coaching staff, but. I say all that to answer your question of, I think he means it, but, and I don't think that he's just saying that to save face or anything like that, um, but that doesn't mean it's a smart thing to say, or just because Aaron Rodgers says, oh yeah, hire Joe, give him a good chance, that doesn't mean that the Packers should take that advice necessarily, because he's probably speaking emotionally to some degree as well. And, you know, is there anything to the idea that you know, Gutekunst and Murphy have, you know, both said that, you know, Aaron Rodgers will have, you know, slight input on the coaching search, but he ultimately won't get, like, a say, you know, if it comes down to, hey, we got these two guys, he doesn't get to pick type deal. So is there any, maybe, is, is any of this maybe due to the fact that he says, all right, well, Joe Philbin might not be the best coach, but I know what I'm getting with Joe, and if they hire Joe, I probably have a little bit more say than if they bring in someone, say, like a Jim Harbaugh or Josh McDaniels. Not saying those guys will be the coaches, but those guys would be a little bit more rigid of like, hey, I'm the coach, and you're going to listen to me. And so as he may be thinking, Joe might not be the best option, but I know what I have with Joe, whereas if he leaves and they bring in somebody brand new, I don't have anything 
anything, any knowledge to go with that. Is there any? Do you think Rogers has any of that in his thinking? I'm sure there's some level of comfortability that comes to his mind. Because I mean, let's think about it, guys. Aaron Rodgers played one season uh, with Mike Sherman, and then the rest of his career he's played with Mike McCarthy. So now he's essentially playing with Mike McCarthy light with Joe Philbin. I'm sure there's some level of, oh, man, like I have to get used to at 35 years old now, somebody brand spanking new to me, whereas if Philbin's hired, I still have that level of comfortability. I'm sure that enters his mind at some point again, but that's again why I say, you know, discomfort can be a good thing. Uh, And in this case, I think that it has been a good thing. You can see the Packers have played better since Mike McCarthy has gotten fired. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, They've executed the plan better. The stuff that Philbin has done hasn't been all that different from McCarthy. But I can promise you that at 21-7 on the road against the Jets, if McCarthy's still the head coach, the final score of that game is like 35-14 in favor of the Jets. That's not a slight to Mike McCarthy. That's just the way that the season was gone. It was clear his time was up. Um, So Philbin deserves some credit for that. Philbin and the leadership all the way down deserve credit for what happened this Sunday because it would have been very easy to fold up shop and say, okay, forget it, we're not going anywhere. Instead, we have one of the most thrilling wins of the season now under our belt after that. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers feels comfortable with Joe Philbin, and that probably has a lot to do with what he has been saying. I don't know that it's necessarily a power grab. Um, I don't. I mean, every quarterback has egos. I, I understand that. I'm sure Rodgers feels human element the same way I'm sure you and I kind of do also, again, as a fan. There's some discomfort in not knowing who the next head coach is going to be. I mean, it is possible. It's not likely, and I'm not suggesting this happens. But there is at least some fear on my end that they hire the wrong coach, like Jeff Fisher or John Fox or somebody like that, for example. I don't think they will do that, but it at least is a possibility. I'm sure those things have entered Rodgers' mind as well. All right. Well, so let's shift gears a little bit away from the quarterback position Looking forward to Sunday. We've talked about this before the Jets game about whether Aaron Rodgers should play or not. Whether or not we agree if he should be playing this weekend in Detroit against Detroit, it sounds like he'll be playing. We expect to see him play. But let's start moving towards a few other players. Uh, quickly, before we move on, I'm sure most of you have seen this. Don't expect to see Kenny Clark this weekend. The Packers officially have shut him down for the year, putting him on IR. Um, but you have certain players like Randall Cobb, who has a concussion. We're not sure quite yet his status. Equinemius St. Brown suffered a concussion in the Jets game on Sunday. Given that this game obviously doesn't mean anything, how cautious should the Packers be with some of these players like Equinemius St. Brown? Because... I'm torn with a place. I want him to get as many reps with Rodgers as possible because they're all valuable. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to put him out there and, you know, risk further injury, especially in a game that doesn't mean anything. So how should the Packers approach injuries this weekend, especially with certain players like Equinemius St. Brown? Yeah, I, I think you'll see some caution. Like if a guy has a hamstring injury and if the game was – meaningful he would have played in this case he might not st brown specifically um if he's cleared i imagine he'll go um it's kind of interesting to see how they're doing it because you want to 
You want to preach caution with the situation they're in. They're not going to the playoffs. Nothing they do from here. If they win, cool. If they lose, that's fine too kind of thing. But at the same time, you can't really preach caution when the $134 million quarterback is out there playing in meaningless games, putting his body on the line, which it's clear he wants to do that. It's clear the organization agrees with him because they're allowing him to do so. And then at the same time, you know, they're limiting snaps of guys like Clay Matthews. Randall Cobb didn't play last week. He wasn't cleared from the concussion protocol, so that is a little different. But it's hard to be cautious when you're saying the most important player in our franchise is playing on the field, and he's not 100% healthy. Nobody is at this stage of the year, but he is a little banged up. He's had leg injuries all year. He's had uh, the the knee injury earlier in the year. He's got a groin groin tightness. You know, all that sort of stuff has happened. Um so I think if Brown's cleared, he'll play. Um, some of the other guys, and Brown's a guy who I think that needs to play. Let's say even Randall Cobb is cleared to play. Uh, I know this is kind of his swan song. This is his last, in all likelihood, his last home game at Lambeau Field. And at the same, it's a cold business, and it's probably tough to say this way, but you can't do sentimentalism when you need to find out about, you know, St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jamon Moore, Whitewater Jesus, who... Nick, I swear, you were in Green Bay this weekend as far as I'm concerned, but I could definitely hear you screaming when Kumaro caught a touchdown pass on Sunday afternoon. I was, I, was, I was a bit excited when that happened, yes. Oh, my God, it was so funny. The thing I like about Kumaro is that Kumaro jokes aren't as funny as Jeff Janis jokes, but that's just because Kumaro actually is a capable receiver, whereas Jeff Janis was not. Um, but it was pretty funny to see. But even still, a guy like that needs to play a little bit more. Um those guys need to be on the field. And if St. Brown is cleared and he's healthy, you know, it's kind of the old adage of healthy players play. And if if St. Brown's cleared, maybe you limit his snaps, rotate some receivers, but you might do that anyways, even if he didn't uh, have a concussion or come off of a concussion in his previous week's game because you need to see what some of these guys have because, you know, wide receiver next year, Randall Cobb probably not going to be back. I already talked about that. Devontae Adams, star, will be back. After that, Everything else, I think, is fair to say at least is a little bit of a question mark. They could stand to add a couple guys at that position this offseason, and if they do, that's some legitimate competition. And I'm not talking about competition with training camp fodder, like, with all due respect to these guys, but Michael Clark, D'Angelo Yancey, um, even, you know, Jamon Moore, Valdez, Scantling, St. Brown, those are guys who, when you came into camp, you were hoping that they were not significant contributors in their rookie year and that's no disrespect to them but they're not top 100 picks those are guys that shouldn't be expected to contribute in their rookie year you're talking about uh some actual high caliber quality sort of player that could be brought in maybe a veteran free agent maybe a high draft pick those sort of things so you need to know what you have in some of these guys because and these guys need to know for themselves too because it's very possible that like say they add a second round pick at wide receiver jamon moore could go from the first receiver picked of those three rookies to a roster cut. Uh, Jake Kumaro, Mar- even Valdez, Scantling, or St. Brown to some degree. If they're not good enough next year, you could be looking at a player who is released. Now, I'm not suggesting that can or should happen, but I'm just saying it's possible. So you need to know what you have with those guys. So if they're healthy, they need to play. All right, Jacob, I want to pose this question to you. I posted it to Tyler uh, yesterday. So when I was watching the Packers on Sunday – there were moments in the game where I looked at the team and what was going on, and I was like, wow, 
this team looks awful. And then there were other moments on Sunday where I've watched the same team and I said, this team looks like a playoff caliber team in the way that they're playing. Do you see any of that? And you know, I know at this time of year, everyone's really struggling with, well, you're not making the playoffs, so winning doesn't help you, right? It's just hurting your draft stock. That's crap, by the way. And, and, and while I can understand why people would say that, at the same time, I would also argue that th- this team seems to be fairly young in a lot of positions to the point where I'm almost arguing you need to that these guys win at an NFL level and get that, you know, and I know, you know, wins in week 16 and 17 of this year, those are a long way away from week one of 2019. They've got that feeling and that taste, and I mean, have the Packers won back-to-back games this year? No. I don't think they have, and they have the opportunity to put together a winning streak at the end of the year here. So, so uh, do you do you at all feel that, that in some ways they look really bad and at other times they feel really good? And I, I know you're not big on the losing for draft picks, but... You know how, how do you how do you explain this to a fan base with a young team that you know they just need to learn how to win? Well, that matters. Learning how to win that culture that they built, like I mentioned earlier, it, it would have been very easy. Any team, it would have been under not understandable. That's the wrong way to put it, but it happens a lot. A team not making the playoffs is down twenty-one-seven on the road, and they just fold up shop and say, "Forget it." The Packers didn't do that. They. Could have easily done it again at 35-20. I don't feel like that's being talked about a lot either. They were down by double digits two separate times. Came back to win. That's impressive, and that's hard to build that sort of culture. So they have it in place to some degree. It is frustrating because, as you mentioned, there's times where they look like a playoff team, a team that could be pretty good. The defense puts together a stretch of stops with just some random dudes. Like That's the part that's really frustrating to me is Mike Patton is putting lipstick on a pig at this point. But... On the offensive side of things, they have stretches where they look like borderline dom- – well, dominant's not the right word. They really haven't been dominant the whole year. But a pretty good offense, and they haven't been a pretty good offense for most of the year. So I understand why that can be frustrating. But really, when you think about it, that Jets game makes perfect sense as to why they're in the position they're in. They're good for spurts, usually not long enough to beat teams that are good. And make no mistake, the New York Jets are bad. Uh, they're not a good team. They're playing better here toward the end of the year, which is a, a good thing for them. Good on them. They found their quarterback, it looks like, with Sam Darnold, and they're playing well down the stretch here. Great. Good for them. They're still not a good team. They blew two double-digit leads at home. Bad teams do that. That's what the Jets did. So building this culture, though, that's important for going to the future because I'm not saying anything about momentum uh, because I don't necessarily buy into that from game to game being important, but... Building that culture of a winning team. Guys like Jair Alexander, Tony Brown, Josh Jackson, Equinemius St. Brown, the young receivers, the young players need to know, hey, we're the Green Bay Packers, and this sort of season is not acceptable, and we don't accept losing regardless of whether or not it quote-unquote helps us. Now, if you're pro-tanking, I'm not going to bash you because, I mean, you just have a different opinion than I do, so I'm not going to argue with you about that. I just am – I'm a fan – 
I root for the team to win. You know, I said it, Ozzie Guillen had a quote when he was the manager of the White Sox, and I said it on Sunday after they won, and that's fun is winning, winning is fun. I watch football for fun, and let's just say the season ends today, the Packers are picking 14th, and everyone's like, oh, they can't get a franchise player at 14th. Okay, um, well, let's be honest. I mean, Jair Alexander pretty much sucks and hasn't done anything to contribute during his rookie season. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, the 14th overall pick, not a good thing, which is exactly where the Packers were when they started uh, last season. And for those of you that can't get the sarcasm bleeding from what I'm saying there, no, I don't think Jair Alexander sucks. That's that's my point. Uh, you can It's who you pick. And I know that the pro tankers kind of point out that, like, oh, that's a stupid way to think about it. Those picks are more valuable. And I get that. The other thing, though, is the draft board is manipulated. Players fall all the time. And we act like we know where players are going to go on December 25th here at 8 o'clock p.m. when the draft is not for another four full months. Aaron Donald went 13th overall. That guy is a slam dunk MVP candidate best defensive player in football and 12 teams said you know what he's too short that's exactly what they said was he's too short because his college tape didn't lie that dude was dominant in college teams overthink themselves all the time if you look at defensive rookies for this season derwin james probably going to win defensive rookie of the year 17th overall leighton vanderash picked later than that jair alexander picked 18th overall not exactly top five picks. Now, Denzel Ward, yes, very good player, fourth overall pick. I understand that. Bradley Chubb, fifth overall pick. Same thing. Totally get it. But acting like we know what the deal is, man, I'm not going to root for my favorite team to lose because that's what the Browns do. That's what the Bills do. And I know the Browns are kind of digging out of their version of professional football hell right now, but those have been horrible organizations for the last 15 years. So I'm not in favor of that. Build that winning culture. Get these young guys used to winning. Get these young guys used to playing every single snap, every single down like it matters because that is going to matter when they take the field in 2019. And, you know, just to go off of what you were saying, I got a list of players here in the last 10 years taken at 14 and 15. Devontae Parker, Melvin Gordon, Kyle Fuller, Ryan Chazier, uh, Kenny Vaccaro, Bruce Irvin, Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey, Earl Thomas, Jason Pierre-Paul. Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis, you know, it's so, I mean, the idea that somehow picking 14th that these players aren't, won't be any good or won't be able to, you know, make an impact right away in their rookie season, you know, I mean, hell, I, I know part of it's due to, you know, the rush that they have. But, I mean, their 14th overall pick from this last year very quickly became the number one corner on the team. Correct. And it's not like he wasn't bad at what he was doing. So, I, you know, I understand why people want a higher draft pick, but we also know that having a higher draft pick doesn't always mean success. I mean, I look back to the highest draft pick the Packers have had in my lifetime when they picked – fifth overall in what 2004 2005 somewhere yep. around there took AJ Hawk and they drafted they drafted AJ Hawk now AJ Hawk was a fine player but for the way I look at it for being drafted fifth overall he never lived up to that number five pick nope. he was not a number five player so just because you're drafting higher doesn't mean you got you still got to make the right pick and that's what it's all about 
Um, so this, I, I want this team to learn how to win, mostly because they're a young team. And Aaron Rodgers needs to start getting, you know, good reps with these young wide receivers who, I mean, right now, they, they're looking like the future just based on the fact that they're the only receivers on the team. <laughs> and he, even if, if you add a free agent wide receiver, that makes a free agent wide receiver and Adams your one and two. But in this league, you got to have five or six. So it looks like you're going to ask at least one or two of them to do something for you. So I want winning. All right, Jacob, I'm going to finish out this podcast with one last question. I asked Tyler this as well. And, uh, you know, it, as Packer fans, we are not used to being in a Week 17 game that doesn't mean anything, especially in a game when it's not like you're getting another one. This is the last game until – the start of the 2019 season for the Green Bay Packers. So, Jacob, give me one reason you should be excited about this weekend and sit down at noon and watch the game from start to finish. Okay. Um, well, first of all, it's like you mentioned, it's the last game that you will see in the next nine months. So that alone, to me, I mean, I look forward to Packers football every week. Uh, regardless, um, and it's the last game for nine months. So, and a lot of things are going to be different next year. You know, Mike McCarthy used to always say the roster turnover is about twenty-five percent. Uh, this year, it might be a lot more than that for the reasons that you've mentioned. You have a losing team. There's going to be a new coach. There's still a relatively new general manager weeding out some guys. Uh, so, there's going to be a lot of roster turnover. And what that means specifically is. If Randall Cobb is healthy and able to play, this is likely his last game at Lambeau Field. And I know Randall Cobb isn't Jordy Nelson uh, in terms of impact, in terms of fan favorites, all that stuff, but he's been a very good player for the Green Bay Packers since he was drafted in 2011. He was dominant as a special teamer when he entered the league, became one of the league's best slot receivers very quickly, had a really good year in 2014, the best Packers team in the last five years. He's been a pro's pro. He plays hurt. He plays uh, with a chip on his shoulder. You can really tell about his want to. Uh, the other guy on that is Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews was drafted in 2009. I would say it's more likely than it isn't that this is Clay Matthews' last game as a Green Bay Packer. And I know Clay has gotten some criticism about his ability or lack thereof sometimes early in his career to stay healthy. I personally think that's unfair. The guy played with a broken thumb. The guy's played with leg injuries. The guy's played with all kinds of different stuff, and he's the best Packers defensive player that they have drafted in the last decade plus. He was the best defensive player, and this is saying something. This is saying a lot. Clay Matthews was the best defensive player on the Super Bowl team in 2010. Now, you can argue Charles Woodson with me. I certainly understand that, but Clay Matthews was a candidate for defensive player of the year that year. That is the only person he lost to was Troy Polamalu. And Palomalu, they I think it was Palomalu got the one that's more recognized by the NFL, and Matthews got the AP award for Defensive Player of the Year that year. Clay Matthews is going to have his, well, he's not going to have his number retired, but he's going to be put in the Ring of Honor. He's going to be a Packers Hall of Famer, and he's the franchise's all-time leader in sacks. This is your chance as a fan to kind of say goodbye to them in a proper way, in a way that we really didn't know we were getting with Jordy Nelson Last year, you knew it was a possibility, but I think a lot of us, if you asked 100 people, 
the Packers are going to cut one of Jordy Nelson or Randall Cobb. Which one do you think they're keeping? I think most of them would have said they're going to keep Jordy Nelson. They didn't do that. So you didn't really get a chance in that last home game, which was a debacle by every stretch last year. But you didn't really get a chance to say goodbye to him. You didn't get a chance to say goodbye to players like that. So this is a chance to do those sorts of things. I'm certainly sentimental as a fan. Um, I'll admit that off the jump. Those guys have been really good players in Green Bay. That is something that excites me, though, and I'm hoping that you know Matthews gets a sack or two. I'm hoping that Randall Cobb, if he can play, scores a touchdown. Uh, just from the sentimental side of things, I think that would be an, a nice taste in your mouth, if you will, to end this season. So that is what would have me excited uh, for Sunday afternoon. It is what has me excited for Sunday afternoon's game, even though it is meaningless against Detroit, uh, is to see those two guys and give them a proper send-off. Yeah, and you know, I have to say, just me personally, I was born the day after Brett Favre came in for Don Mikowski and started his whole legend trend. So I literally, in my life, only known Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. So from that perspective, I am super spoiled. And while it's hard to see them lose, there's just something I feel personally, and I, I hope a lot of you feel this way football. It's special. Even though this game means absolutely nothing, I, I, I cannot wait for this game. And I'm going to be in Minnesota this Sunday, and thank God their game got moved to the afternoon, so hopefully I won't have to create another bogus account for NFL Sunday tickets so I can watch the game, but... If I have to do that, I I will certainly do that. The Packers are something special, and for me to watch, all of you out there the exact same way, we are not like certain teams out there, like the Vikings, or, you know, I don't know how Lions fans are, but we are that fan, win or lose. We've been spoiled for the last 30 years, but we got to come out, we got to show support regardless. So... Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Jacob, if people want to follow you, how can they do that? I am at Jacob Westendorf. Give me a, uh, give me a call. <laughs> give me a follow. Send me a tweet. I love chatting with you guys. It's been fun all year, wire to wire. All right. And as always, you can follow me, Nick Schmitz, at Sports Schmitty on Twitter. Make sure that you are liking the podcast on Twitter, follow us on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribing on your favorite podcasting platform. Two Pack It A podcast. Make sure you're checking them out each and every day. We got so much more great content coming up for you, especially. And got as here's the thing: this might be the last game of the season, and it might be the last game until August when we start preseason. But this podcast, we are going to be coming at you every day leading up to that, bringing you content. So please stick around with us. We've got great off-season content coming up for you. Uh, in the coming in, in the near future here so just because the Packers won't be on doesn't mean that we won't be on our game bringing you the, the latest news for the Packers so with that as of, so much for listening and go Pack Go from the 16 of New York first down goal to go Rodgers in the shotgun Williams to his left here's the snap Rodgers clean pocket throws the middle to get the Morris Claiborne to the back line of the end zone and the Packers have won it.
Rodgers with Williams to his right takes the snap. They pick up the blitz. Rodgers on the left side. He's got Kubler wide open right sideline. Cuts it back to the 10 to the end zone. Touchdown. No flag. 49-yard pass play. Kubler from Rodgers. Motion to the right side of St. Brown. Pitch goes to Williams around the left end. Pass and block. He makes the turn to the five. Barrel down to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, Whippert by Jamal Williams to get the pylon. Seven-yard touchdown run. And it's 21-13 New York. Roger Shotgun takes the snap, rolls the pocket right. Looking, now looks it right side, got a man wide open, St. Brown, stiff arms his way by a man, inside the 35, cut down the three-yard line of New York. Snap, Roger Shotgun looking, steps up, climbs the pocket, throws the left side, he's got Marquez Valdez gambling down the left sideline, 30, stays in play to the 25, he's down at the 20-yard line. It is fourth and one. Here snaps to Rodgers, looks, pops it over the left side. He's got Robert Tanya down across, across the 40, between the numbers brought down at the 35-yard line of New York, first down. Here's the snap, faking handoff, rolling right as Rodgers looks the end zone, takes it himself. He's in for the score. It's 35-29, Rodgers scoring on a one-yard touchdown run around the right end. Takes the snap. Back pedals, pump fakes once, and again, pulls the left side. Rogers gonna take it himself, to the 20, to the 15, cuts it back in the back of the five, and he's right near the one-yard line. Oh my goodness, Aaron Rodgers wheeling his way inside the five. So fourth down for the Packers, inches away from the lead score. Rodgers takes quarterback sneak, reaches over, and the ball came loose, but it's a touchdown. Rodgers reached it over, and the Packers have taken